How's it going? Well, it's been a day. And if you're on our Patreon, you can hear my story about how it's been a day. Patreon.com slash Lifetime Sentence. <laughs> we played real life Am I the Asshole. We did. And I'm not going to tell you who's the asshole. That would be what we call a spoiler in the biz. In the biz. We're in some <laughs> kind of business. Good Lord. Oh, God. All right. Well, what's going on with you? Tell me a story. Um. Well, like I mentioned on Patreon, I got an office this week. You did. And, I'm so excited for um, you. I started my summer collection of soap today. So yeah. I sent you the picture already. So my... Mm -hmm. um, my summer collection is summer reading and it's all soaps inspired by books that are popularly on summer reading lists. And so yeah. today I did the great Gatsby, which I'm also on a vendetta to replace the great Gatsby on summer reading lists. Okay. Um, because I think you can get books with the same theme or similar themes by authors of color. Um, yeah. Or, you know, not straight authors or literally anyone but f scott fitzgerald and i love f scott fitzgerald but like i just think summer reading lists are all old dead white guys in general and then tony yeah. morrison because they're like diversity yeah Duh. Um, i love we found one <laughs> anyway so i did that and then i'm also gonna do wuthering heights at your recommendation love wuthering heights and um i've got manderly from rebecca yes and i've got um the secret garden that'll be a good one and pride and prejudice are all inspirations for soaps so how exciting i'm excited that's so nice so yeah and i painted this week so i'm really stretching my creative brain again it's been a hot minute well now that you don't have a job you mean now that I'm a full-time creative? Now that you don't have a job. <laughs> it's fine. I'm not bitter still. Tell me tell me what's going on in your life. I have a job. <coughs> still. I, I believe you also have a senior. Or is he a junior? He's a senior. My God. I didn't sign up for that. I mean, I definitely did not either, but here we are. He is I going just, to be a senior. How did you just graduate from high school and already have a senior? Like, you are so young and glowing. I don't understand. Thank you. I look very red tonight, but that's okay. Try not to let it bother me. It's because I've been so stressed out. Also, I like this hair. Like, I like this color hair. So, this is the night where I unabashedly um compliment you but i mean it all it's from the heart because i don't give false Aww, compliments thank you i do i really do love the blonde i'm gonna keep it forever i think i hear blondes have more fun um to be determined as i told okay. you in our patreon it's been raining in texas for the last five fucking weeks we're not in a drought anymore but i haven't been to the pool yet and it's already june yeah, well, I, I do remember y'all were under a water advisory not too long ago. Like We were. We're not anymore. So. It's all been lifted. It's all gone. Congratulations. <laughs> we will be by the time August rolls around, probably. Right. Like depending the minute the, the rain lets up. Well, depending on the hurricane season. And I mean, it's supposed to be a pretty active season. Um, so we'll see. 
Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Do you want to hear about this movie instead that's definitely not real? Not yet, because this is Lifetime Sentence, and I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. And now I'd like now to Now do you want to hear about this movie that's definitely yes. not real? I can always tell when they're not real because it's so fucking dramatic. So I told Sarah that last week that like when I start my research and I can find that it's not a real movie that after two years you have an eye for when it's not real anymore Mm -hmm. because used to like you were disappointed or like it was a shock to you but now like you go into it like well this is a fucking joke like (laughs) well I'm still disappointed and I'm happy to report that I believe the next three will actually be true stories one of them is extremely tragic one of them is about a soccer mom that's also a, a, a madam. So, you know. It, it I'm excited about that one. I am too. It's actually on right now as we speak. My DVR is recording it. So, Good. I didn't, I didn't realize that it was a premiere night. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Um, this week I watched The Secrets She Keeps. It stars Zoe Cremens as Diane. She was in a movie called Go Girls, Panic at Rock Island, and Packed to the Rafters. Not heard of any of this. Me I think neither. you just made it up. Emily Micelli, she plays Amara. I also knew when her name was Amara, I was like, this isn't real. Either <laughs> they changed her name. Right. Or, yeah, it's not real. Amara's <laughs> a real name. Amara's the name of the chick from the ring. Samara. Samara. Okay. Close enough close enough to tempt fate there yeah because okay. i think amara means love in one of those like baby naming books i could be way wrong but don't get me started on baby names today oh no there are certain people that had a baby that announced it today and announced oh the yeah his name sorry amara means happy. everlasting oh you don't like lilibet diana oh well it's fine except for his older brother's daughter's name is Charlotte Elizabeth Diana. Well, yeah, see, they put that. And so they named their daughter Elizabeth Diana, Lilibet Diana. Like, what the frick? Also, I'm not judging, but Lilibet is really hard for me to say. So. Well, it's actually. Okay. Lily now. So it was her. It, uh, Lilibet is Queen Elizabeth's nickname from childhood because Princess Margaret had a lisp and could not say Elizabeth. Right. And so she called her Lilibet. It's still hard for me to say. I like the sentiment. This whole world, this whole world exists for my ease and pleasure and comfort. So that's all I'm saying. I think it's a beautiful sentiment, but also stop stealing your older brother's children's names because they used to call Prince George Archie before they had Archie. (laughs) I didn't know that. That's hilarious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Somebody's petty. (laughs) Listen. I'm look, not I do. Anymore. Look, I love the sentiment, and the more children in the world named Diana, the better. So, I whatever. love the name Diana. I do too. I actually reconnected recently with a on Facebook with a friend from high school who loved Princess Diana, like probably as much as I did back in the day. And she has a, a young daughter whose name is Diana. Oh, that's sweet. It's so cute. Um, okay. Sorry, first <laughs> tell me about Amara. Amara um, was in the movie called Marsha. Um the behind the scenes look at the Brady Bunch. Yeah. Lady of the Manor. 
Also behind the scenes, look at the Brady Bunch. It's about Alice. She's just, in fact, played every role from the Brady Bunch in biopics. No, this actually is about (laughs) a woman who moves to a manor and falls in love with the ghost that lives there. What the fuck? (laughs) Okay, if you'd given me that title and 48 chances, I would have not come up with that plot. No, not a million years. Um, And a movie called Once Upon a Time in Florida. Okay, that's about a woman who moves to Florida to be in the Brady Bunch sequel, but falls in love with the ghost of the swamp. <laughs> Keller Forms, he plays Shane. Um, he was in a movie called Insane, Has Been, Luminary, and Hashtag Slut. The Paul Adams story. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, we have John William Wright. He plays Paul. He was in Love in the Sun, which is the only movie I've ever heard of. And that's because it's a Hallmark movie. I was going to say, they, please tell me they have at least a real song in this. Because they did not spend a lot of money on the actors. Special uh, effects. Do they have just lots of CGI? No. The, the whole movie was shot in front of a green screen, like Guardians of the Galaxy style. <laughs> Um, he was also in a movie called M-M-O-I-R-L and a movie okay. called A Beautiful Belly, which hard pass on that. Whatever the other The other Paul Adams story. <laughs> I've had two very famous biopics about me alone. Yeah. Um, we open on a lakeside. It looks very pretty, but the music playing says that it's not pretty. So just know that. Great. Uh, Inside a shelter, a girl is tied up while her captor makes coffee. I guess some mornings you just really have to caffeinate and hope for the best. The best part of waking up is being tied up. Wait. (laughs) Sometimes. I mean. Well, sometimes, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You and I both officially have family who listens to this, so... Oh, it's fine. My sister can handle that. Um, the My sister-in-law is... cannot. <laughs> Listen. Um, <laughs> the girl is cutting her wrist restraints on a nail in the chair. So I have a little hope for her. Her captor stirs up the coffee, like, agonizingly slowly with his back turned to her, which feels like a bad idea. But it gives her time to get free from the tape, and she pulls the tape off of her mouth, and then she stands up and fucking bolts. Good. Um, the cabin barista is not far behind her though. And he yells at her to stop (laughs) (laughs) while calling her the wrong name, just to like really stay true to that barista feel. She's like, nah, bro. Uh, she keeps running and runs into a hunter who she starts screaming at to help her. And then he shoots her with a crossbow. If I had a dollar for every time I accidentally shot a former captive with a crossbow. So, yeah. Um, The barista comes on the scene and asks the hunter, what the fuck? And he's like, well, she would have been a loose end and we don't have loose ends. And I'm just like, cool, 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 cool. Oh, okay. So not accidental. Yeah. The opening credits one run with some much jauntier music. A mom and daughter pull up in front of a house. They go inside and there's boxes everywhere and an art station. The house has a beautiful view of a lake, which is probably the same lake that this girl just got shot next to. So that's unsettling. Um, 
this was the daughter's dad's lake house that she hasn't been to since she was a young child and her dad is dead now. And I was like, okay. I'm really confused as to how this house is in a fucking huge. Right. B prime real estate. C completely clean and ready for them to move in. (laughs) But she hasn't been there since she was a kid. Well, and it's her dad. So her parents were, Nope, the parents were married. Nope. Oh, okay. I this makes less sense as we go. Okay. Yes. Um Lifetime was drawing words out of a hat to draw to make this plot oh, line. We'll we'll get there. Don't oh great. Worry. Um Amara finds a painting of herself. She's the daughter. She finds a painting of herself with no face because her dad didn't finish it. And I think it's creepy, but they both think it's cool. And I'm like, I think okay. I'm right. As somebody who's really bad at eyes, like I get it. If Look, you commission a, if you miss a commission a portrait from me, you will have no facial features. That's fine, but a painting with no face is creepy as fuck. I mean, I'm down with it. It's like the mm-hmm. was it Willow Tree? Is that the like collectible figures that have no faces? My mother in law collects a bunch of those. Oh my God, I have one of those. I never realized it didn't have a face. I have to throw it away now. <laughs> Amara goes to school, but she can't get her books because she's a new student. They only order a certain number of books. The student running the desk asks a teacher if he can give her Lacey's book since Lacey, quote unquote, won't be needing it. And I don't like that at all. Yeah, nah. But Amara gets the book and goes on her way. She compliments a girl's jacket and they decide that she's, quote, perfect to decide their argument over the homecoming theme. Amara decides for the two girls and then they tell her to go away. So typical high school. (laughs) (laughs) Diane, the mom, wins an auction for a building. The building still has a ton of stuff in it. So they decide to have a store closing sale and sell everything that's inside the store including a jacket that looks just like the one that the girl at the school was wearing. That is foreshadowing. (laughs) Okay. I like Um, that you punctuated it just so I would know how important it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, Amara doesn't fucking figure it out. So somebody had to. Um, Right. Okay. They meet the restaurant owner next door who introduces himself as Paul Diane goes inside to grab a business card for him and ends up locked inside the office by a hooded man that she does not see. Um, Outside, a guy comes up to Amara and starts talking about the stuff for sale. Meanwhile, the building is now on fire with Diane trapped inside the office. So this started and like escalated to like a thousand real quick. Aaron, we're only 15 minutes into recording. So like, did you skip 30% of this movie or something? No. Amara notices the fire, but the building front door has also been locked, so she can't get in. Restaurant guy starts to try to break down the door, which I just want to point out is glass. And they can just (laughs) break the glass. He's just pulling real hard. But they don't break the glass. (laughs) That'd be expensive to replace. What is wrong with you, Aaron? Diane finds a screwdriver in in the office and gets out of the office by taking the doorknob off and she puts out the fire with a fire extinguisher while outside Paul finally gets the door open with a knife because the door was glass. 
Okay, this is straight up scenes from a hat. Drew Carey is the producer of this movie. <laughs> Wayne Brady and Colin, what's his last name? St- um, oh, they know. were they were the script writers, and it literally was just audience sub- like submitted little scenes. I just wrote, sure, this is all very plausible. <laughs> <laughs> Diane stumbles outside and is like, I'm pretty sure someone just tried to kill me. And I was like, you think? What, what was your first clue? The next week at school, the same two girls approach Amara and ask her to be on the homecoming committee because, quote, after what happened with Lacey, they need a fourth person. Amara asks exactly what happened to Lacey and the girls just say it was a tragic loss. And I just wrote, is this whole town just one giant serial killer? I'm so confused. Um, Amara says yes, so now she has friends, I guess. Diane is cleaning the windows of the gallery, I guess after cleaning up from the fire that nearly killed her and everyone has just moved on from. Um, There's a hooded figure watching her from across the street, though, so I guess not everyone has moved on. Diane goes to her car and finds the window smashed and tire slashed. Restaurant guy pops up behind her and is like, oh my god, bummer, and offers her a ride home. And I can't decide if I'm suspicious of him or if he's just a nice dude. Did you, were you going to say something? No. Uh-uh. Oh, you just looked at me. <laughs> Amara and her friends are planning the dance and they ask her if she's dating anyone. She says no, but she does have a crush on someone. She's about to say it's the guy she met at school on the first day that gave her the book. When he walks in because he's the other girl's boyfriend, because of course he is. So she dips out and goes home. Her mom isn't home yet and more creepy music plays. She finds a note on the door that her mom is out on a date with Paul. Um, The hooded figure, though, is watching her from outside, but she looks out the window and doesn't see him. The next day, they're doing more homecoming prep, and Amara's friend notices that maybe she's flirting with her boyfriend a little too much. So the other girl signs Amara... Becky, the other girl, signs Amara up for a dating app. Genius. And she also signs her up for a rideshare account. And I was like, how does this girl have so much money? Yeah, no joke. They lie about her age and say she's 18 to get on the app. And she just goes along with it. So Amara goes to her mom's... Um, sorry, I just lost my spot. Amara goes to her mom's gallery and starts swiping... While, like, talking out loud about the guys, which is stupid if you're trying to hide that you're on a dating app from your mom. Yeah. Um, Diane takes her for a gelato and makes her leave her phone. When they come back, though, her phone and backpack are both gone and the back door to the gallery is open. Instead of calling the police first thing, Diane pulls the door closed and then starts looking in the rooms down the hallway as soon as she says i'm going to call the police someone jumps out of a room and pushes her into a wall before running out the door they go to the restaurant and call the police why do we have no context this is pissing me off paul the restaurant guy pulls up his security footage and they see the hooded guy but not his face awesome is paul at least attractive because if you're going to name a character after me he needs to be at least a solid 7.5. He was the one in a Lifetime, in a, in a Hallmark movie. Oh, yeah. Hallmark's got pretty high standards. Yes. 
He's cute. Um. <sighs> da, 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 da. Amara hangs out with her friends uh, and asks for the real story on Lacey. They said she took a, a lot of risks and probably just pissed off the wrong guy. And I was like, wow, what a great bunch of friends they were to her. And they tell Amara just to forget about it because she didn't know her. Um, Diane and the restaurant guy, Paul, give Amara a new phone and she starts talking to the guy she met on the dating app. He's the same guy who bought the knife from her the day of the fire. What a coincidence. That's not weird at all. I don't like any of this. She slips to her mom that she has, that she's on a dating app and says, if she doesn't get a homecoming date, she'll be the lamest person in the world. They get into an argument about it. And Amara keeps talking to Shane. Meanwhile, who says he totally respects her mom for protecting her. She asks him to the dance and he says, we'll see. Then he tells her to be careful with her friends. They may not be her real friends. Cut to everyone decorating for the dance. Amara and the one girl's boyfriend, Jake, are actually working while the other friends talk shit about them behind their back. So the girls decide that Amara is flirting with Jake a little too much. So they kick her off the homecoming committee and tell her not to come to the dance at all. (laughs) I have whiplash from this. Yeah. Um, Diane, meanwhile, is putting a bunch of security cameras up. Um, She and Paul review the footage and see the weird hooded guy lurking around outside the gallery. Shane calls Amara and tells her that she's way more mature than some stupid dance anyway. So she should come out on a date with him instead of go to the dance. She says she doesn't think her mom will let her go, but he just tells her to just tell her mom she's going to the homecoming dance and he'll take her to that fancy French place, Lafayette Cafe. So someone was watching Hamilton while writing this movie. Or they're from Louisiana and all they could come up with was one word. My great grandfather's name was Lafayette. Really? Mm-hmm. Lafayette Lee. Now Random. we're going to track your genealogy. That's fine. Okay. um so they make plans to meet amari gets all dressed up and takes a quote-unquote ride share because they can't say uber to the dance right um she goes to the restaurant and meets shane the menus are paper so this really must be the most expensive restaurant in town (laughs) it's covid covid they can't recycle menus are you kidding me this is a movie. It doesn't have to be COVID. Um, so he's also wearing white socks with dress pants and Doc Martens. So he's obviously also very serious. And it's a good thing they went to this black tie affair of a restaurant then. The first thing he confesses to her is that he's not actually 19. He's 23. Ew. Girl, Run. She confesses that she's not actually 18, she's 16, and he tells her how sophisticated she is, and he is lying. He does not think you're sophisticated, he thinks you're the perfect victim. My god. Oh, this took a turn I was not excited about. Oh, it gets worse, don't worry. Oh, I was hoping you would say those words, thanks. He tells her the next chapter of his life will obviously be falling in love. Amara goes home later and hears something outside, and she walks in on her mom making out on the porch. Her mom and Paul making out on the porch. Oops. Love it. I'm in. The next day, they get into a fight about whether Diane should be dating after her husband has been dead for two years. 
And also whether Amara should be in such a rush to grow up. I side with the mom on both accounts, which is how I know that I'm an adult now. Yeah. Because when I watched Disney movies and I started agreeing with King Titan instead of Ariel. I was about to say, I noticed the shift when Ariel says, Daddy, I'm 16. I'm not a child. I'm like, yes, you are. Sit well, down, little girl. really a child. Amara <laughs> <laughs> um, goes to school and FaceTimes Shane, who says that she's all he thinks about. And he needs to see her. He tells her to come see him and tell her mom that she's out with her friends. So she goes to meet Shane at a bar. She reminds him that he's underage. Hey, can I interject real quick? He got her a fake ID. Yes. Okay. Um, I know that most of our listenership is um, women. Um, if, if a man says you're all he thinks about, that is a blatant lie. He thinks about jerking off way more. And if you find that romantic, he's just trying to get in your pants. So like use that information as you will, but that is never a true statement. And I just need to let everyone know this is my PSA, Paul service announcement. You're welcome. Okay. So they go to meet at a bar. She reminds him that he's underage, that she's underage, but he got her fake ID, which is not creepy at all. Um, they get drinks and dance together. Then they go outside and make out and talk about when they met the first time outside the shop. He tells her it'd be so easy to fall in love with her. And I just, girl, you're in danger. I'm sorry. Were they like reminiscing on four days ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember? We were so young then. Yeah. Time was so different. <laughs> Do you remember? Do you remember what it felt like? Right. What he- song was on the radio? God. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, Amara's mom finds her fake ID because like an absolute amateur, she leaves it in her jeans pocket. <laughs> so mom's not even snooping. It's just, there. no, she finds it in the laundry. Listen, and I tell my kid the same thing. What I find in the laundry, what you leave in your pockets, it's fair game. Right. If it's money, it's mine. Um, she confronts Amara about it using every single point I've already mentioned about why this is a very bad idea. But Amara doesn't listen and screams that the age of consent is 16, which means she's an adult. And the fact that she doesn't know the difference between the age of consent and the age of majority proves my point more than anything else ever could. Right? <laughs> Holy shit. Diane tells her to break up with Shane, but Amara just tells her to get a clue and storms off. Love it. Love it. Paul introduces Diane to a private investigator to help her with the hooded guy stuff, but also now with Shane. Shocker of all shockers, Shane isn't actually who he says he is. No. He's also 29. Maybe he was rounding down. And has a very extensive record. The PI tells Diane that he was incarcerated as a juvenile dishonorably discharged from the military at 18 after an incident with a 16 year old girl. He also got caught running a dog fighting ring. So was busted for animal cruelty and racketeering. So this guy can go straight to hell and stay there. He was just like collecting charges. Diane's like, what the fuck? Oh, and to top it all off, he and a friend co-own the building that she now owns before it was foreclosed on by the bank. Oh, what a weird coincidence. I'm sure that was just a coincidence. Totally. The PI tells Diane to be very careful and sends her on her way. 
Amara, meanwhile, is at home FaceTiming with Shane, who's trying to get her to take her clothes off. Ick. When mom barges in and asks if she was just talking to him. To which Amara says it's none of her business. And I was like, if this was my kid, she wouldn't see another cell phone for the rest of her fucking life. Right? Of course, when confronted with Shane's record, she tells Diane that Diane doesn't know Shane like she does and finishes with the classic, I hate you. I'm so glad. I was hoping that was coming. Diane goes to work and finds that the place has been robbed of all the paintings, which were all of her late husband's paintings. She calls Amara and says that there's been a break in and all the paintings her father did are gone. She thinks Shane did it, of course, but Amara tells her not to call during school hours and hangs up. Homegirl is definitely not at school, though. Great. Yeah, don't call during school hours, not don't call me at school is a very different wording. She goes to meet Shane and asks him if he knows what happens to the painting. Um, Shane continues to take mom's side and things and says maybe they can fix that mom doesn't like him. Great. So they go to the gallery together. They all have a little standoff and he asks her to earn his trust. Or she asks, he asks her if he can earn her trust and says he can probably help find the paintings. Well, I'm sure he can. Yeah. He says to give him 48 hours and he'll find them. And Diane responds by kicking him out because he's 29. Literally 13 years older than like... Like almost almost twice the age of the of of the girl he's trying to pursue. Just just wrapping my head around that. Okay. So he goes to his buddy, which okay, thirteen years of difference is different when you're when I'm thirty eight and the guy is in his fifties. That's different, right? Oh yeah, that's why I changed it to double her her age. Like it's it's the fact that she's sixteen. Right. Okay. So he goes to his buddy, aka the killer from earlier. And says he needs the paintings back because Diana's on to them. His friend tells him no, and he wants payback for losing the store, which Diane actually had nothing to do with. So there's that. Right. Um, they get into a fight, and even murderer guy, who's not a good dude, tells Shane that he needs to stay away from teenage girls and break the pattern. <laughs> so, like, when your friend, the murderer, is like, dude, you need to back off the young girls right listen to him (laughs) so shane takes his friend's gun out of his waistband and someone gets shot not sure who diane gets a call from a detective to meet him to meet her at an auto body shop and i wonder what could be happening there they ask her to id the body to see if it's the man who attacked her which is a weird thing to ask a stranger slash victim at a wait at an auto body shop that's where they, that's where he got shot. Okay. Okay. I see. So then they go out back. The reason they called her is because they found the paintings. They're in the back of this auto body shop. I see. I but see. on the okay. way back to get the paintings, they're like, hey, do you recognize that dude, that dead dude as the guy that attacked you? His no? face is mauled. Like, does he look familiar? <laughs> Good God. Um... So they go out back and find the paintings. Diane tells them to question Shane because something about all of this is not right. The detective promised... Oh, balls. I just scrolled the wrong way. Shit. Okay, the detective promises to get to the bottom of it. Diane talks to Amara, who insists that Paul... Or insists that 
Shane had nothing to do with it and blames Paul for the murder of this random criminal dude. Which, sure. Um, Okay. Okay. Amara is like, oh, well, can you say with absolute certainty that Paul had nothing to do with this? And Diane's like, I guess not, but also pretty sure he didn't. Right. (laughs) So she says she'll stay away from Shane if Diane will stay away from Paul, but she's a big fat liar. Um, Shane comes to the gallery to confront Diane again and about sticking the police on him. He says that he and Amara are in love and he's trying to start a better life. He asks if she's going to give him a fair chance or stand in his way. Thankfully, Perfect. Paul comes in and he's like a literal foot taller than Shane. So Shane leaves. <laughs> but wow. he goes and picks up Amara from school. He tells her they, that they found the guy that stole the paintings. And Amara says her mom still thinks that he did it. And he says, no way. The guy shot himself and he has to believe her. He also explains away the police wanting to talk to him, saying that that's because he has a record and he will now be po- harassed by the police for his re- the rest of his life. It just comes to the territory. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> he tells her it's time for them to be together and to get in the truck because, quote, destiny is happening right here, right now. I'm in love with you. Oh, okay. Amara says that they're going to be together. He has to clear everything up. And he says he's going to, but he needs to know that she's on his side, so she she has to come with him. Over at the gallery, the detective goes in to see Diane because Shane still hasn't turned up. They haven't been able to, to reach him. Diane asks if maybe Paul has a record, and the badass detective is like, I don't know, I'll check it out. But in the meantime, just keep trusting her own gut. Um, wow. Um. Shane tells Amara to turn off her phone because as long as it's on, she can be tracked. He makes her withdraw $400 from the ATM, which is just true love, hard at work. Also more money than I have when I swap my card at the ATM. So good looking out, Amara. Same. Um, Amara asks where they're going. And he's like, I don't know, Mexico. Um, Amara asks him what happened to Lacey. And he says he didn't have anything to do with that. But his friend, the dead guy, did. He blames this whole thing on his friend. And when Amara asks again if Shane murdered his friend, he says, quote, I stopped him. But now he has a new life with Amara. And Amara's like, I need to go home. And he tells yes, her, no. mom, are you calling me? <laughs> uh, but he tells her no. She asks for her phone back and he refuses to give it to her. She says she's starting to feel dizzy and asks if he put something in her drink. He says, Yeah. Oh, he says, quote, yeah, you're a handful, Amara, but you ain't stupid, but you sure ain't stupid. Oh. So so Amara passes out. Huh? Thanks, I think. Amara passes out and he puts her back in the truck and drives away. Over at the art gallery, Diane is freaking out about where Amara is with Paul and the PI. Her phone rings and it's Shane. He tells her if she contacts the police, he'll kill Amara. She asks Shane what he wants, and he says, I want money, so you should start gathering all the cash you can. And if it's enough, maybe I won't kill her. That's sweet. I'm like, you need to ask for a specific amount of money, dude. Right. Then he says he'll contact her with further instructions and hangs up. Um, Amara comes to, and they're back in this um, that same shelter from the beginning of the movie. 
Shane starts blathering on about his stupid story about how he, how it could have been a chain, but the stupid bank just kept asking him for money for the loan until he didn't have any more money, and then they took the store away from him because that's how loans work. My God, what monsters! I could have been successful if it weren't for every way that I fucked up. Yeah. Then he tells Amara that he has to know if he can trust her and pulls out a knife. Amara assures him that they that she loves him and doesn't think that he's at all a fucking nutbag and maybe he should untie her so they can be together. He tells her that if he unties her and she does something stupid, he'll quote make her ugly and then asks if he wants if she wants coffee. Oh, okay. She says yes and takes the coffee, then throws it in his face, steals his shoes and runs. Yes. I think she should have grabbed the gun. That's what I would have done, but I whatever. didn't know a gun was an option. Okay. <laughs> you have to give me a bigger list. Like <laughs> She runs and he runs after her, but obviously slower because he doesn't have any shoes on. He starts screaming about how he's going to kill her and Amara flags down a car. It's her old friend, Becky. And they drive away, but I'm pretty sure she's in on this and there's still 20 minutes left in this movie. So let's see what happens. Great. She asks, Becky asks if Amara is going to call the police. And sure enough, Becky drives her straight back to the shelter. She pushes Amara down and is like, damn it, Shane, I keep finding you girls and you keep losing them. So Shane drags Amara by her hair to the pier. Um, Back at the gallery, her GPS comes back on. So Diane and the PI go to track the signal and drive up to the shelter. The PI tells her that this is near the old dog fighting place and to stay in the car. He's going after Amara. And if anything bad happens to call 911 and there's Shane hiding with his fucking crossbow, he shoots the PI. So he, what he did is he turned on Amara's cell phone and left it on a chair. I see. Okay. To like lure Diane out there. Gotcha. So he shoots the PI with his crossbow. Diane calls 911 and tells him to hurry. And Shane comes over to the car. Um, So Diane hides in the footwell of a two-seater Camaro. And Shane's fucking crazy and stupid so he doesn't see her. (laughs) So Diane gets out of the car and goes over to Leo to try to help him. While Shane uncovers his truck and drives away. In the boldest move ever... Diane runs back into the woods behind and hides behind a tree and drops Amara's cell phone, the one with the GPS tracker, into the bed of his truck as he drives by. An ambulance comes and takes a still alive Leo to the hospital. The detective assures her that everything is going to be fine and throwing the phone in the back of the truck was genius. They're tracking Shane's location and they're going to go get her, go get Amara. So Diane heads back to the gallery to wait. The police raid the shelter they find the cell phone in, but everyone else is already gone. <coughs> Excuse me. They call Diane to tell her they haven't found Amara yet, and Diane keeps repeating, repeating that things just don't feel right. They find an open door in the gallery, and Diane goes inside, but Paul doesn't follow her, which is pretty fucking shady, dude. <laughs> yeah, no joke. She finds Amara tied up in there and crazy Shane is there too with a knife prattling on about the bank and Diane and her rich friends stealing his store from him. I was hoping that he would be there. Like, <laughs> okay. I needed a whole party. So here comes Paul sneaking around the corner. He picks up a crowbar while Shane rants and raves and screams. Then he starts pouring paint thinner on Amara while Diane begs him to stop. He holds up a lighter and here comes Paul with the crowbar. 
Shane ducks, though, and stabs Paul in the leg. He tries to get up while Diane goes for the fire extinguisher on the wall and clocks Shane in the back of the head with it. She unties Amara and pulls her up. She, Diane, and Paul... Winston is not enjoying what you're telling me. She, Diane, and Paul all run out together, leaving a passed out Shane on the floor. But as they're exiting the, the gallery, Becky's hiding behind a wall and comes at them with a different knife while shrieking like a goddamn banshee. This time, Amara picks up a vase and smashes it over Becky's head. And thank God, because that scream was too much. <laughs> <laughs> um... Fast forward to the gallery opening. Paul and Diane are there. Jake, who has broken up with the other chick, is there and asks Amara how much the painting without a face is. She says it's not for sale. And he says he owes her an apology because, as it turns out, he was dating the wrong girl. And they didn't have anything in common at all. She asked what he... I'm sorry. (laughs) Not like, oh, I'm sorry, my my girlfriend's friend tried to kill you. (laughs) Right. She asks what he knows about art, and Jake says, quote, I know you have a lot to teach me. Aw, the end. Well, that was a ride and a half, okay. and I could see why it's got such um, opposing reviews. Yeah. It's one of the, it's one that you can go and find, like, four star and one star reviews side by side. You know, I like these. I like the very ridiculous, like over the topness of these movies. So uh-huh. I enjoy them when they're like right. that. I know other people don't, but I, per- I personally do. Well, Plus, it gives me a lot to talk about on the show. <laughs> right. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is you can tell the people who are prepared for the ridiculousness, mm-hmm. and so they're like. For a lifetime, the acting was really good and like, mm-hmm. you know, they'll put out things and then there are people who like, I guess I've never seen a Lifetime movie because they're like, this is the like, worst. This was not like a seen. documentary and I didn't like it. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so as you guessed, this is not a true case. I mean, um, I'm kind of glad because having someone get killed with a crossbow in the woods is pretty fucking dark. Like, <laughs> right. Um, but what I did is, as I read, I saw that stalking was a big theme in this. Yeah. And so what I wanted to cover was um, some instances of teenage stalking. Great. And give you some information about teenage stalking. And so um, in May of 2020, Youth and Society, which is a peer-reviewed psychology journal published Uh, They published a study about teenage stalking. The study was titled Prevalence of and Risk Markers for Dating Abuse-Related Stalking and Harassment Victimization and Perpetration in a Nationally Representative Sample of U.S. Adolescents, which I know if you were browsing things to read, that title is not at all a mouthful and you would have just grabbed that off the shelf. Totally. Um, So... It included 148 um, adolescents who identified as male and 172 who identified as female, Mm -hmm. aged 12 through 18, who were in relationships or had been in relationships in the past year. Okay. The teenagers were asked if if a partner had ever followed or spied on them 
damaged something of theirs or gone through their online accounts, they were also asked if they had done any of these things to a partner. The results showed that 46.5% of males and nearly 51% of females said that they'd stalked or harassed a partner. And about 45% of males and 51% of females represented a partner doing these things to them. Okay. So, uh, uh, kind of, you know, teenage-wide, half of teenagers have been stalked or have participated in stalking or both. Yeah. Um, And so that said, I bring to you two stories. Um, The first is a survivor story. Yay! Um, So this is the story of Sophia Putney Wilcox. Um, So when Sophia was a 17-year-old senior in high school, she was from Kalamazoo, um, Michigan, by the way. (laughs) I wrote Missouri, like I wrote the initials for Missouri, and so that's what made me stop. And I was like, that is not correct. Uh, So she's from Kalamazoo. She miraculously survived a knife attack and was nearly burned to death by her ex-boyfriend. Um, so in fact, when you started this and you talked about the fire being set in the shop, I was like, oh my God, did I accidentally find one of the inspirations of this movie? But no, um, nothing, <laughs> nothing else really lined up. But, um, well, and it was the mom that got, yeah. Right. Um, so until her night of terror, Sophie, Sophia had always been this happy, fun girl, even as a child, um, And her mother had said that she was so pretty, even when she was little, that she'd kept a close eye on her for her safety. Um, In fact, a quote that came, I think this was from the um, 48 hours that they did, quote, I was probably overprotective in a lot of ways, and I was really careful to have her raised in a warm, loving environment. Um, So... Can we we normalize keeping track of your ugly kids, too? (laughs) Right? I just, I like the way that that article said that, like, she was pretty, so she kept an eye on her. Like, Can we hmm. just keep track of all the kids? That'd be great. <laughs> all children are beautiful, Erin. Yes. That's what that means. Uh-huh. Um, so Kristen said that she became even more vigilant when Sophia, um, at age 14, developed a crush on a high school classmate named Adam Shigwadia. Um, Adam was described as having an innocent face, being quiet and soft-spoken, maybe a little shy. Um, and their mom said that their relationship appeared to be his mom. I mean, her mom, not their mom. That's weird. Her that mom weird. said their relationship appeared to be very sweet and wholesome. Um, she said that um, Sophia and Adam would go to like church group activities together and that it was just a generally wholesome situation. Always a church um, group. Right. Sophia at 14 said that she was in love with him because it's always love when you're 14. Yep. Um, so, um, Sophia said that he was just really attractive. He was charming. He was funny. She said he was mysterious and that he was hard for her to figure him out. Um, And that she was normally good at reading people, but with him, it was different. No, which is red flag centric. He's fucking shady is what he is. He's not mysterious. No Um, teenage boy is ever mysterious. He's either shady or he's normal. Right. (laughs) 
again, no boy is mysterious. They're they're constantly thinking about jerking off. That's what boys are thinking about. I'm sorry. Such an enigma. (laughs) God. Um. So, but about six months into their relationship, Sophia said she began to see a frightening other side of Adam. She said he'd be he began doing things like punching her in the face um, or throwing things at her. He choked her. One time he locked her in a trunk and she said, quote, I put up with it because I didn't know any better. Good God, girl. Yeah. Okay, listen. For whatever reason, you are a teenager. (laughs) Stop listening to us. No, I mean, don't. But not till after this advice. (laughs) You don't have to stop listening to us because I, you know, whatever. Do do you. But if a guy starts punching you in the face, or if anyone starts punching you in the face, get away from that person. Like, immediately. Yes. So I was waiting to see if there was more like Ooh. advice on how to get away from that person because I'm not it. the person to give advice. Okay. Tell a grown up. That's how. She said that Adam continued to get more and more violent and abusive um, and injured her. She said that she got, she had bruises all the time that he held razors to her throat and to other parts of her body so that she'd have little scratch marks. Um, and that Adam was extremely jealous, possessive and controlling um she said quote i pushed everyone out of my life he wasn't okay with me having friends so i didn't really have anyone to talk to he didn't even want me to hang out with my family and he started to tell me you're not going to get a job you're not going to go to college you're not going to do all these things because there could be guys there you could talk to other people whatever oh my god y'all if the guys are treating you like this even if you're an adult get the fuck away from them um And Sophia just continued to keep this abuse a secret. Like she said, it felt like this deep, dark secret that she had. She said she was scared of what her mom would think. She didn't want to disappoint her. Um, She said, I was ashamed that I was letting someone treat me poorly. No, baby. Sophia also said she was afraid that telling her mother might make Adam even more dangerous. Okay. She, um, Kristen said she knew that if I knew what was really going on, I would have them break up and she knew that that would set him off and that he would go into attack mode. And that's just what Adam did when Sophia finally dumped him for cheating on her. He walked to my house. He would walk to my house. He'd cry. He'd wait outside for me. He'd watch everything I was doing, said Sophia. He stalked me. Um, so Kristen, her mom said that, um, she found out he was looking through the windows and so she became very concerned. Um, and then one day Adam actually broke into the family's apartment through Sophia's bedroom window with a knife in hand. Good Lord. Quote, it's the middle of of winter, said Sophia. I was literally in a t-shirt and underwear. I wasn't even wearing socks and he was telling me to go outside with him. And I knew I couldn't do that. I knew if I walked out with my knife-wielding ex in the middle of winter, in the middle of the night, that I wouldn't come back. After hours of just trying to tell him that everything was okay, that I promised I wouldn't call the cops, he left. God. 
But Sophia's mom did call the cops, who arrested Adam on stalking stalking and assault charges. And a judge put him on four years probation and ordered him to stay away from Sophia. So he shook his finger at him and said, go home, boy. Great. That always works. I mean, that's Uh really, really effective. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, um... Let's see. So the judge sentenced. Oh, so um, Adam was 18 at this point. He'd been sentenced to four years probation and had a restraining order to stay away from Sophia. Um, But none of that deterred him. So after some time passed, he just went back to his old tricks. I mean, Uh, why would it deter him? Right. Come on. Sophia said that he texted her hundreds upon hundreds of times that he spammed her phone and that he just said things like, I'm going to kill myself and I'm going to kill you. Great. Uh-huh. And, um, and then Adam, after multiple rejections proved he was ready to make good on that threat. So he took a water bottle and he filled it up with gasoline and he brought a lighter with him. And, um, one afternoon when nobody was home, he went to Sophia's house and slipped through a door that he knew was always left unlocked and not to victim blame, but if you are being stalked, please lock your doors and windows. Just in general, in this world, please lock your doors and windows. And I know that locks only keep out honest people, but at least try. I mean, that's the thing, like... In people who want in too. are going to get in in this movie like that i noticed that, like, um this girl's like super creeped out like thinking that people are following her no, they never lock the door when they come in the house yeah. and i'm like what's wrong with you i lock right. my door i lock my door if i go check the mail uh-huh sarah walks me out of the house all the time running, i lock my door in between running up and down stairs to put groceries away yeah now yeah. that i have a ring camera i'm not as worried about stuff like that but because i'll get an alert if somebody goes in my house but i locked the door right always no. like i am the one who leaves the door unlocked and part of that is because i grew up so far in the middle of nowhere you have to be looking for my house that is um, literally when you should have locked your doors the most right right so i have learned my lesson and i lock it more often now but it is like a habit i had to get into as an adult yeah. um but sarah compulsively locks doors and she will lock me out of the house if I'm outside playing with our little boy and my keys are inside. So I'll have to ring the doorbell to be let back in my own house. I have locked my dad out. Like when I lived at home, I have locked my dad out of the house so many times when he would like take out the trash or something. It's just habit for me to walk in the door and lock it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Her too. So it's not intentional, but. Even if I pass him in on the walkway and I'm like, oh, okay. And he'll like even tell me like, don't lock the door and I'll still do it. I Like it's just completely accidental. He gets so mad. I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. So Adam got in through this door that was always left unlocked and he made his way to Sophia's room where he waited for three hours for her to get home. And you say premeditated much. Right. So when she got home, he exploded into a rage. Um, he, so, um, Another boy had brought Sophia home and had walked her into her bedroom. And so he's overcome with jealousy and decides that 
how dare this man touch his property and by this man do you mean this other teenage boy yes <laughs> like a 16 year old uh-huh this other child yeah got it so right. um this boy leaves and sophia hangs out with her mom and her younger brother before walking upstairs to the to her bedroom oh so the the guy dropped her okay, off like, so in the living room so they didn't okay, make it to the bedroom like- Sorry, I was like, did, did he confront them? And he just like this guy was just like, "Bye!" And like, didn't say anything. <laughs> Adam pulls out his knife and his gasoline, and the other guy's like, "You know what? I don't I think don't I'm know. interested anymore." Nah. <laughs> this all seems legit, though. I'm not going to tell anybody that this is happening. Don't worry. Right. Um. So she goes up the stairs to her bedroom on the second floor, where Adam is hiding under a blanket on the floor waiting for Sophia to walk in and what a also though what a horrible disguise (laughs) like why is there a person shaved lump under that blanket on the floor after I closed quote after I closed the door he popped up he's looking at me crazy and I tried to tell him you can leave it's not too late nobody has to know we can talk about things we can work it out but Adam pulls a knife. And so Sophia said, quote, I asked him, I said, Adam, are you going to kill me? And he cut me across the chest and he said, yes. Then he pressed the knife to Sophia's neck. And she said, she I just kept seeing him and started screaming my fucking head off. Right. So she said, she just kept thinking, this is it. I was crying. I collapsed to the floor. My mom and my brother were downstairs. And Kristen said that when she collapsed, she, like the mom said, when she, when Sophia collapsed, she heard the thud of her body hit the floor and that's what alerted her. So she ran up the stairs. Um, She said she grabbed the doorknob and tried to get in, but Adam pressed his body against the door to keep it closed. Um, And so that's when Adam took the bottle of gasoline he'd brought with him. He poured it all around himself as he stood there by the door And then he lit himself on fire. So he poured it on himself, poured it on the floor, lit himself on fire. Um, Sophia's mom was able to push the door open. And she said it was just a wall of flames from the floor to the ceiling. She couldn't see anything. Um, So. So in the, like the girl at this point, she's. She's been cut or she's she's been cut. She's been okay. cut on the chest. She's okay. bleeding pretty heavily. Okay. Um, there's a wall he of flames. Like, he didn't slit her throat. He didn't. No. Okay. Um, so the mom starts screaming for the little brother to come up. And he runs upstairs with a baseball bat. Do not come upstairs. Call the police. Jesus Christ. He literally jumps through the flames. Oh, baby brother. And beats the shit out of the out of Adam with the baseball bat. Which Adam's already on fire. So he's like already having a bad day. <laughs> so then Adam tries to pull Sophia in front of him as a human shield. And the brother just starts yelling, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Um, I love this brother's energy. Right. So unfortunately um, he missed Adam and did hit Sophia in the head. So <laughs> let's call the energy down a little bit. Um, so I like to think though he got a couple of really good shots in before that he happened. did. 
But in the mayhem, the brother chases Adam away and the ex-boyfriend makes this escape out the window. Um, like, is he just a, a ball of fire at this point, I, jumping out I, the window? I don't What's know. Happening? I don't know. I couldn't find more information because it said he set himself on fire, you, but then he's like running around like I don't know. The, the neighbor is like, <laughs> a ball of fire just jumped out of the window across the street. I don't know what's Those happening. Those crazy fucking Johnsons at it again. <laughs> <laughs> they always have the best parties and they never invite us. Um, also, so, just kidding. This story is fucking horrible. God. Um, Sophia's mom calls 911 and she rushes Finally. her daughter to the emergency room in her car. Um, she said... On the 911 call, in fact, because 48 hours, I don't know if they played it, but they did ha- like have access to it. You can hear her like crying in pain in the background, Sophia, as she is bleeding out. Oh um, my God. The doctors fight to keep her alive, and the police find the ex boyfriend or start to hunt for the ex boyfriend while he's on the run. Um, so the. <laughs> The detective who was interviewed in this was like, he needed medical attention. He was burned pretty bad and he had some injuries that he received either from the bat or the fall. And it's like, you know, nobody Nobody cares where he got those injuries. (laughs) Nobody gives a flying fuck what happened to that motherfucker. In fact, you know what? I do care. And the only way we're going to find out is if we push him off the banister a couple times and then we let the little brother take the bat to him a couple times and we we see which one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That works for me. God. (laughs) What a piece of shit. Who cares? So, um, the next day, Kalamazoo cops um, find him walking down the side of the road. Just and like randomly? So, yeah, so like you can see the police dash cam footage of them just like pulling over and being like, hey, did you cut this girl with a knife? And he's like, yeah. Like, He's clearly needs a lot of help. Well, clearly, I mean, around with burns and like what? So, um, while he's being taken to the hospital in the back of the police car, he gives a blow by blow account of his attack. He's very calm. He's very like collected. Um, You have to tell the story to Juniper now. Okay, hey Junie. Uh, so he's later arraigned and uh, on attempted murder and other charges. So um, Sophia makes a remarkable recovery from her injuries, hey. which include a fractured skull and knife wounds to the chest. The fractured skull was probably from the baseball bat. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but it's like he was trying so hard. Okay, but also, can you imagine, like, anytime they get into an argument, she's like, remember that one time you cracked my skull with your baseball bat? And he's like, I fucking saved your life. (laughs) I jumped through fire for you. (laughs) Whatever. I love this family, and I hope that they're all very happy. Yes. Um, Like, it was literally an accident, and I can't fault him for that. He was trying to help his sister. (laughs) Right. So, at Adam's trial... um, Sophia's testimony basically leaves the entire courtroom speechless. 
Um, well, yeah, you think? Yeah. She says, quote, I thought I was going to die. Adam grabbed me and he was pulling me and him both towards the fire. Oh, my God. Um, so he somehow doesn't get found guilty of attempted murder. Oh, sure. Right. He accidentally That's spilled the gasoline he brought. Right. Um, he's found guilty on home invasion and second degree arson. Um, which sparked protesters demanding tougher sentences for violent crimes against women um, that they have to deal with. Like the, it sparks a huge protest actually. Um, and so Sophia makes eye contact with him in court and she says, I loved you. I wanted to help you. Um, which how freaking strong. Yeah. So, um, he is sentenced to 29 to 60 years in prison. And, um, she has gone on to speak multiple times about, um, or in for the anti-domestic violence movement. She says, I get to share my story in hopes that it won't happen to someone else. Um, yeah. And in this interview, she says, the interviewer asked, do you think that he'll come after you once he gets out? And she says, yeah, hundred percent. I think he will. And the interviewer said, well, what can you do about that? And she said, hi, change my name, move out of the state. I'm going to do that. I'm terrified. Um, and so, as I mentioned before, you can watch the long interview with Sophia in the November 2016 episode of 48 Hours entitled Sophia's Secret. Oh my gosh, that is a horrible story. And I uh-huh. really, really do hope that she, wherever she is, is safe and happy and Me healthy too. and that she and her brother are really close. Because he's As I recall, and other research as i recall she has gotten married and had a baby recently oh good for her so um i am i hope that she is happy and healthy and um and i hope that her brother is doing something incredible i hope her brother is a major league baseball player (laughs) yeah i hope he has an endorsement with louisville slugger and Or wrestles for the WWE. He's like, this bat right here has multi-purpose <laughs> use. I use it to hit home runs and also to save my sister's life. Home um, runs and home invaders. That's what that's, we're here for. <laughs> that's what we hit. Home runs and home invaders. That's a great slogan, Louisville Slugger people. You should take that and pay us for it, TM. Right? <laughs> here at Louisville Slugger, we hit home runs and home invaders. <laughs> perfect all right now um the other story does not have nearly the happy ending um so this is the murder yeah this is the murder of Shayna grice oh baby Um, so in august 2016 a 27 year old um, man from the uk broke into his ex-girlfriend's house um, six months after she first complained to local law enforcement about his behavior Shayna Grice, who was 19, had reportedly dumped Michael Lane after, uh-huh, after only a few months, but he continued to stalk her, which she report repeatedly reported to Sussex police. 
Um, and so police were like, Hey lady, listen, I understand that you have called us a hundred times and we've done nothing. So here's a 90 pound fine for wasting our time. She was cited for wasting the police time by reporting this stalking. Uh huh. So I'm gonna buy a Louisville Slugger and go to that place. To the Sussex police? Yes. Uh, of so by- course it's in Sussex because you know who the Duke and Duchess of Sussex are? <laughs> God damn it. So by the time Lane attacked, uh, Michael Lane attacked Shana Grice in her bedroom, she contacted police five times and none of them triggered an investigation. So he, I'm not going to give you the brutal details. He brutally murdered her and then tried to get rid of the evidence and left her house and went to work because it's gruesome. So he was convicted in March, 2017, but the case pretty recently, let's see. I know that I have the date at the end of my notes. So I just want to grab that. Um, by recently, I mean, three months ago, um, received renewed attention because in March of this past year, um, a docu-series murder in slow motion on a, um, on a station called sky news, put a spotlight on this killing. Um, and then, um, Between this and another case that they they highlighted, it brought a lot of attention to shitty police work. Oh, um, uh, you think? Yeah. And so this story became circulated again. So, um, as I mentioned, Grice reported her ex to the police five times before he murdered her. On February 8th, 2016, she informed the police that uh, Michael was stalking her. According to the BBC, Lane had installed a tracking device on her car and said, and so um, Shana said she hid outside her home, that, like the home that she shared with her two roommates. Sorry, I misread my, what I typed. Um, Shana said that Michael hid outside the home that she shared with her two roommates, sent her flowers and threatened her new boyfriend by leaving a note on his car that said, Shana will always cheat on you. According to, and you know, so this has very um, Jody Arias vibes, but in the opposite. Oh, like we hate that bitch. Yeah. Um. So according to the Manchester Evening News, the woman who handled Grice's call gave Michael Lane a verbal warning to keep his distance. Um, excuse me, sir. We received a phone call about your behavior. Could you not? Thank you. I just like stalking laws in this country and every country are a fucking joke. Uh-huh. And this shit is what happens when your stalking laws are a fucking joke because you know what affects women mostly and nobody yep. gives a fuck about women. Yep. Um, so he reportedly after his verbal warning, He showed up at her house a month later where he yanked her by the hair while chasing her down and trying to steal her phone. Um, so when 
the police got there when she called police. He said, oh, don't worry, we're dating. And then he pulled out the old text messages from when they were dating as proof. And police fined her for filing a false report um, as a smokescreen to disguise an affair she was having. And they believed him because he's a a, a white man? Uh-huh. Okay, cool. That always works. White so, men always tell the truth. You know that, right? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I have never lied. I'm just going to waterfall the rest of this wine while yeah. you're talking. I wish you could pass some through the screen. Yeah. Right? Fine. <laughs> um, um, so after she was fine, so we'll be record like in the same room. It's going to be so fun. Right. <laughs> after she was fined, she said she was hesitant to report Michael to the police again. I don't know fine. why she was fined for reporting a stalker to the police who pulled her by the hair and stole her phone. Y'all. He assaulted Why don't women her. report assault? Why don't women ever report being assaulted? It's because well, they're making it up. No, fuck you. Fuck all of the- ah! Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to stop. So on July 9th of that year, uh, this is 2017, he stole a key to her house and snuck into her bedroom to watch her sleep Edward Cullen style. That's fucking creepy. Uh-huh. So then... So, um, Shayna woke up and recorded Michael from under the covers and passed the audio to the police. He said, I wanted to see you and I knew you wouldn't let me in. I'm just not right in the head. Otherwise I wouldn't do it. So thank God police heard like, that. Oh, that was so romantic. No, he the cop, you. listen, the cops sprang into action by saying, you silly wanker. Don't do that again. So she began in the following days to receive worry. <laughs> what did you just throw? A pencil. <laughs> it's okay. Judy's going to go get it. <laughs> um, in the following days, she began to receive worrying calls from an unknown number. In which the person on the other end would just breathe heavily into the phone. She reported these along with a July 12th incident incident in which she said Michael had been following her and told police that she felt, quote, quite scared. So police decided this was low risk activity and behavior. So, um. Oh my God, I have to rescue this pencil, but I can't hear you. So. Okay. So then police gave Shayna a letter that no further action would be taken in her case. Why do women report assault? So one month and nine days later, he broke into her home and brutally murdered her before setting a fire in her house and disabling the smoke detector to try to get rid of the evidence. I just like, (sighs) I know I'm like rage screaming into the microphone about women reporting assault, but I have been a victim of stalking more than Uh once. 
and uh, I I got a restraining order in one case. In another case, I was 16. The guy, I worked in the mall, and the guy followed me home from my job. Oh, my God. And thank God, A, my parents were home, and B, when I started to, when I got a job and started to drive, I was 17, I think, when this happened, they got me a cell phone. Right. So I called my dad, like, from my car when I realized this guy was following me. And I pulled into the driveway of my home and my dad was, like, outside, like, <laughs> right, waiting for me. And the guy just, he just, like, dr- drove by and drove away. Um, I was fucking terrified. I cannot imagine, like, actually going to the police to make a report and then being, like, not only do we not believe you, here's a fine for wasting our time and then dying because of it. Right. Like this woman died. She's dead now. Yeah. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Um, so Lane, Michael Lane was convicted of her murder and was given a sentence of 25 years to life behind bars. Um, and so an inquest by the independent office for police conduct recommended disciplinary charges for three of the officers two faced miss uh, gross misconduct proceedings to be handled externally. And the other was subject to an internal misconduct review. Um, and this IOPC also recommended quote management advice and further training for six other employees. Um, while How an additional everyone's fired, <laughs> right? While an additional Literally, five officers this- faced zero consequences. Literally, if I was this bad at my job, I would get fired. And I do not hold people's actual lives in my hands ever. Yeah. If I was that bad at my job, my boss would fire me. Uh-huh. I I get, as a teacher, I would get written up if two kids needed to go to the bathroom at the same time. I hope there weren't two emergencies because I'd unfucked up if I sent them. Let me just say, this is why defund the police is such a big fucking deal and trying to get rid of police unions. Like it was a thing here in San Antonio during the defund the police movement, which failed by 1%. Great. And voting. And um, it, the police unions here, they like, there was a statistic that came out that basically 85% of all police officers who are fired from the police force here where I live are rehired because the union intervenes on their behalf. Uh Uh-huh. I'm not surprised at all. Bad cops should be fired. Period. There is no room for a bad police officer in this country. If you're a bad cop, you need to find another job. Let me tell you about this one particular bad cop. Great. One officer was found to have committed gross misconduct for insufficiently questioning Michael Lane after he got into Shana's house the first time, but he resigned by the time the panel made its decision. I bet he got to keep his pension too. I'm sure. So um, Shana's parents later called the misconduct hearings a sham after the panel told Trevor Godfrey, who was the officer that issued the 90 pound fine, that he had not adequately investigated her claims, but it was, quote, not enough to mean gross misconduct. 
He'd already um, retired by July 2019 when the panel announced his conclusion, saying he wouldn't have been fired for his errors even if he'd still been on the force. You find a woman who was later murdered by the person she turned in! Uh-huh. My God! Godfrey said that Shayna had admitted to having an affair with Michael Lane, and so it was only right that I advised her she can't keep lying in police statements and getting people arrested for it. There was no history of violence between them. There was no evidence of violence or risk at that time. I was just listening to the to the reliable man in this story. I don't know why everyone's so pissed at me right now. Yeah, I hate everything. And so for people that think that defund the police is all about race issues and oh, it doesn't affect me because I'm not black. Or I'm not a person of color. I'm not, you know, Hispanic, Latinx, whatever. Fuck that. This also affects women. So think about your daughter, your wife, your sister, your mom, whoever. And not to mention this particular situation. This is why police should not be able to run around rampant like they have no consequences for their actions. This is fucking bullshit. God damn it. Now Um. I'm pissed. Shayna's parents said that these proceedings were just, quote, a wholesale character assassination of our daughter. Yeah, no shit. Um, They went on to say, quote, what message does this give to other officers? Even more importantly, what message does it send to victims? We are disgusted and feel thoroughly let down by the process. There is no justice. The message is always has been that the police don't give a flying fuck about you. Well, yeah, especially because despite fucking Trevor Godfrey's claims that there was no evidence of risk from Michael Lane, this investigation found that 13 other women had previously reported him for stalking. Amazing how if you just issue fucking warnings, this is why documentation exists, motherfuckers. I remember going to an attorney. I was 22 at the time. Um, I was in a very abusive relationship with the father of my child. And my lawyer told me at the time to start writing down everything. He's like, any interaction, anything that happens, anything, write it down. And I was like, yeah, because they're not going. I was like, but that doesn't matter. A, they're not going to believe me like it's just my accounts my word against his and da, da, da. And he was like yeah but if something happens then we'll have it and it was like it was to the point where it was like okay well yeah if if you die then at least we'll have all this like evidence that he was harassing you yeah before he killed you yeah great this is all great um <laughs> so Police then, when... Guess what? Completely off topic, because I just need to calm down for a second. It's fucking raining again. Good. (laughs) Um, So police were like, oh, oh, hey, don't worry. Like, we know we found out about those. Uh, It's cool. Don't worry about it. We have strengthened our training and response to stalking claims. Uh, But as of February 2021... Sussex still has the country's second highest number of stalking reports behind London. Great. Uh, yeah. 
every two we every week two women in england and wales are killed by a current or former partner even as domestic abuse prosecutions fall so um in fact in 2020 rape convictions hit a record low in england and wales but oh, you think two women in england and wales a week are being killed by a current or former partner um even though their domestic abuse numbers are falling so they're doing a real great job over there well and there was also that um young woman and i'm gonna butcher the story because i just thought of it off the top of my head the young woman that was murdered by a police officer okay so that woman is the other one that was in this story that i i mentioned there was the other case but i oh, knew yeah, that yeah, if, okay. I, if i mentioned that that i was going to have to get into the four hours of how much i want to shriek about that yeah um hold on and i'll tell you her name because i did write it down in here. everything is garbage everything yeah. is on fire sarah and everard yes sarah everard everything is on fire it's garbage and it's all on fire everything and i yeah. hate everything so murder in slow motion did a story on Shayna grice and then sarah everard back to back and they it was basically a big expose on how shitty the police are um so I mean, at least they're shitty everywhere cheers cheers so as i mentioned there's this docuseries called murder in slow motion this one was called the shana the shana grice story um and so after the airing do what i'm gonna have to try to find this yeah after the airing of the documentary though you'll be glad to know aaron the police were kind and gracious enough to issue an apology we're so sorry that we didn't do it right great that's helpful i'll let you scream about this because i already have and you already have so listeners it's your turn to scream i'm done i'm done fuck everything i hate it for real so i'm deleting every dating app like i i i'm just you know what i can't help it that i'm attracted to the opposite sex but i can never sleep with one ever again it's gonna be celibate (laughs) men don't deserve to have sex with me the end (laughs) you all suck i 100 percent being garbage and you can have sex again thank you for coming (laughs) to my ted talk um well that's all that to say teenage stalking is a very real issue if you are a parent of a teenager please keep the channels of communication open Mm -hmm. so that your teenager knows they can talk to you if they are in this situation absolutely Um, that is as a as a former teacher in 10 years i cannot tell you the amount of students i had who came to me saying they felt unsafe with their romantic partner because of that it's a very real and very terrifying problem um and i am grateful i was thinking about this earlier i am grateful that we have a community of listeners who um who understand that and who Mm -hmm. support that you know like it's it's nice to be part of a community of people who um because a because we all kind of have seen the horrors of true crime but but b because we are all of a similar mindset in many ways yeah that it's not going to be a dismissal of your child's feelings or of the people around you's feelings this shit has to stop it has to 
And, like, at the end of the day, no one's going to stop it but us people that don't want it. Can I end with two positive stories real quick then? Please. To bring us up. God. Okay. So, first of all, have you been following Simone Biles recently? Okay. Yes and no. Because, no, because I haven't been following the Olympics. However, I have a friend... Um, actually he's my best friend's boyfriend. Um, shout out to Aaron and Johnny. Love you guys. Um, so Johnny is, um, he works in the business. He is actually a cameraman. He went out on a job, um, last week where he was filming some like pre-Olympics stuff. Okay. And actually like, like, like got a like film of Simone Biles, like, um, helping someone else out, like on the mat and like, she had fuzz on her and like so you can see Simone Biles like pick the fuzz off her and be like oh my gosh like you had this on you and, like and the other girl's like oh my gosh thank you so much so Simone Biles class act all the way and when the Olympics are on we should do her movie from Lifetime yes absolutely so the U.S. Women's Open is happening right now yes. um, yesterday she landed she became the first woman in history to land the Yurchenko vault which is traditionally landed only by men um mm-hmm. So she's be the first woman in history to land that. And it's incredible to watch in Texas. Yes. I don't know where it's happening to be honest. Um, but I'm you not sure if it. that's where my friend's boyfriend has been this week or if that was last week. And I just run everything together. Cause I don't um, know anything. Which she had landed it in practices. So like the footage already existed of her, but like it was been landed in a competition officially. Mm-hmm. In fact, the nerves got the best of her and she over rotated. So she could, uh, so it's a, you spring off the back board, like you spring off the board on a back flip. So you do, you do it backwards. Triple. Like, you do okay. a triple mm-hmm. backflip. She almost could do a quadruple. She hit it so hard. Um, right? That face is how the whole world felt. Um, I can't wait to watch the Olympics this year because I feel like it's going to be one of those years where, do you, re- like, I don't know if you were into figure skating. Always. But I remember, and, you know, she went on to do terrible things, but I remember Tanya Harding, Tanya Harding? landing that triple fuck axel yeah. and being like, fuck yeah. And that, uh-huh. I mean, that was before the whole Nancy Kerrigan thing, but that was like a moment. Yeah. And I feel like we're going to have some of those moments this year and that's really exciting. I love that. Yeah. And so like, just to follow Simone Biles, I find her so inspirational. She, mm-hmm. um, basically somebody asked her cause the Yurchenko is, is obviously very complex and very hard and um was thought to be impossible for women but i mean it just requires such a strength that um Mm -hmm. it is not rated as the hardest trick like it's not a 10.0 trick and so somebody asked her like well what are you going to do about that and she says it's not my job to do anything about that I can't help it. This system's broken. I'm going to go up there and do the best that I can. She's like, I'm going to go out and be fucking Simone fucking Biles. I use COVID to improve. Um, And I just think, I think back the, like the moment that, that defines Simone Biles to me outside of all of her Olympic incredibleness was she was on dancing with the stars and she gotten like a 10.0, like a perfect, you know, tens across. Mm -hmm. And, um, the judges were giving her all this feedback and Tom Bergeron says, um, well, Simone, I noticed you're not smiling while they're giving you all this positive feedback. And she says, smiling doesn't win you golds. <laughs> Look, and I'm like, and, um, 
And I know like the, the moment I described that my friend captured was not uh, like a gymnastics moment. It wasn't anything. It was just her She's like being a class being classy human being. Yeah. Right. So like, love her. She doesn't, she doesn't have to be nice. I'm glad yeah. that she is. She could be a straight up bitch monster and everybody would be like, I mean, she earned it. Right. <laughs> um, so the other thing I wanted to talk about is Confections Bakery out of, oh, either Lubbock, Lubbock or Lufkin, Texas. I can't remember now. I always confuse those two. Um, posted their pride um, cookies that they'd made. Um, and yes, I saw did this. Did you see about that? And so yes. they so they posted them their beautiful rainbow hearts, like they look delicious. And then they posted a status pretty soon after that that was like, We've received so much hatred today over some cookies. Um, we lost a five dozen order for tomorrow. They're already completed. So if you want some cookies, please come out and buy them because we need to like basically recoup. And somebody took a picture of like 30 minutes after they posted that status, and there was a line wrapped around the block and an hour later the whole store was wiped out because of the support and the outpouring of support from people and, and let me just like this is in lufkin texas yeah which is far east texas it's not exactly where you would consider um throwing a very thriving pride event no not at all so i feel like the support they received was incredible and i was you know and a lot of times now i'm not very proud to be a texan at the moment right but stuff like that makes me proud and i just again want to like brag on simone biles for a bit because she also read a victim impact statement to that fucking trash monster larry nasser so oh yeah yeah yes incredible strength just yeah. i'm glad we could end with some positivity tell me what you're reading right now oh um so I finished the last thing he told me. Okay. Really good. You should good. check it out. It's very, very good. Okay. Um, I am currently reading um, a book called, give me a minute, Imposter Syndrome, I have which that. is about okay. like a Soviet spy um, who's recruited by the Soviets, but then ends up now like and i'm about 20 percent through the book she's running like a very um large corporation in silicon valley oh i love women's she's, spy stories so by the way she's at the top of the totem pole okay. and there's a chinese american woman at the bottom of the totem pole who starts to realize that information is being siphoned out of the company is the information that the girl at the top is providing back to the Russians. Oh, that's so the girl good. at the bottom is, is realizing. So they're both immigrants. She realizes that they're, the information is being siphoned out. And so it's like, what is she going to do? How is she going to react? Like what's going to happen? I love that. It's really interesting. It's really good. And I, I go pick up the new Alex Michelidis book tomorrow, which I'm probably going to drop everything for and read. And right. So you've been counting we'll down for that, that for six week. months. Be done. Yeah, I have that awesome. and the new Riley Sager that comes out at the end of the month. So. Yep. Yep. What about you? I um, am rereading um, everyone brave is forgiven. 
Um, so I'm part of the Modern Mrs. Darcy Book Club. She's my favorite book blogger. And they're doing a throwback book club this month. And so this is one oh, that cool. I read several years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is about a um, young woman who, when the war breaks out in england and um you know people are volunteering for the war effort she her dad belongs to parliament and so that just tells you exactly how like silver spoon she has grown Mm -hmm. up in um she feels it is her civil duty to volunteer for the war effort and she just knows that because of her privilege that she is going to be put in like a high profile kind of place okay yeah i think Uh, you told me about this yeah and instead she gets put as a teacher um with the kids who from like a local school and like there's a um there's a black boy in her class and there's a whole part of a chapter where she's coming to terms with seeing her first black person and i love i love the way that like she holds his hand at one point and she's shocked that it's the same temperature as hers and just like a type of privilege that I never could have imagined, you know, Yeah. Um, that later in the book, she winds up becoming very close to his family. And I just love the growth there, but um, it's her being completely humbled throughout the war and Mm -hmm. seeing how protected from the world, her privilege has made her. Um, But it's also based on the letters that um, the author, Chris Cleave, that his grandmother and grandfather sent each other during the war during the war. Um, and That's so lovely. he Aww. never got to know his grandmother. The only way he got to know her really is through her letters. And so this is him writing this version of his like grandmother that he yeah. learned through the letters. That's so cool. It's so beautiful. another thing that I got this week and um, it's a library book that I got. It's called a special place for women. Okay. And I just want to like spotlight it real quick. Cause I'm not very far into it. I'm not going to about, congress the supreme court and the presidency because those are the only special places left for women like i'm literally like two chapters into it but i want to point it out because i love an opening chapter to a book that just grabs my attention Uh 100 and so the book is about like a secret society of women in new york okay and so the girl like that narrates the book she talks about um she like gives an overview of the secret society and how, you know, the, there's like only one interview where someone has come close to confirming it really exists. And, you know, that person, you know, like it's never come close again. They never really confirmed it, blah, blah, blah. And so, but the last line of the chapter is, um, until now, no, until tonight, because I burned their headquarters down. Ooh. And I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. Like, putting that on my TBR. So I'm very excited about that one. But also, literally tomorrow when I pick up the Maidens, don't bother me for the rest of the week because I'm going to finish that I mean, probably in two days. So maybe, you know, give me a couple days. Okay, y'all heard Aaron tell me to just ignore her, so... That's not what I said. <laughs> I said, don't bother me. If I text you, don't ignore me. That's rude. Well, just, <laughs> just trying to follow your instructions. You're making it very difficult here. Oh, I'm not actually. <laughs> Hold on. What was that called? A special place for women? A special place for women. But the silent patient. Oh, um, the silent patient is one of my favorites. Um, that book literally, I Laura Hankey. Like Laura Hankin. Sorry, Hankin. 
Um, the Silent Patient by Alex Michelides was his debut, I believe. Um, literally, when I got to the twist, I threw my Kindle across the room because uh-huh. I was fucking pissed. So I cannot wait to read this book. I really hope his sophomore book is like is good. I've heard really good things about it. I think it's being adapted into a series. Okay. Um, so, I mean, it must be good. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Well, I've thanks. heard mixed reviews about Riley Sager's book coming out at the end of the month, which gives me pause, but we'll see. Every Riley Sager book, I think, has mixed reviews. It's uh, it's a genre thing. It's like built for a certain audience, and I usually love his books, so I'm just going to like go with it. Right. Lock well, Every Door is still one of the most terrifying books I've ever read in my life. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for talking books and crime with me and telling me about this bonkers movie that you watched. Yeah. Um, next week. Oh, next week. So we can do... We can do two. We can do the serious one about the woman who disappears and has never been found. I would like to, on the heels of the information that I brought tonight, I would like to do a less serious one. Soccer Mom Madam? Sounds great. Great. That's with Jana Kramer. It premiered tonight. We will do that, and then we will go back to the serious one. We'll actually probably end up doing a couple of serious ones in a row because... There is another one coming out in the next week that is also really serious, but it's a survival story. So that's always nice. Oh, good. We do like a survival story. But it's not a good story. So. Right. <laughs> um, they never are. If, no. if you like survived in good circumstances, no one's going to make a lifetime movie. <laughs> right. Erin, <laughs> um, I have to tell you today, I drove to McDonald's and back. And you survived? I survived. I'm going to write to Lifetime right now. Dear Lifetime intern, have I got a pitch for you. It was harrowing. It was 98 yeah. degrees. I, I had to turn the air conditioner on. Oh my God, All it's right. hot as fuck and still raining. So here we are. If you have not yet, please follow us on our socials. You will, uh, you're will. you about to see them be reinvigorated as... Um, we, Aaron and I, have actually been working on a plan to revive our lives. Um, so you can find us on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence, on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. Mm-hmm. You can find us on TikTok at Lifetime Sentence mm-hmm. and at Facebook.com slash Lifetime Sentence, which keeps getting likes. And I love that so much. Yeah. Um, oh, we might actually have a pause for a week because we might have something special next week. I don't remember. We do have something coming up in the works. We're not quite sure when that's going to happen, but know that something is coming. It just hit me in the, in the back of the head right now. Yes. Okay. So um, we're at least trying to work something out. Um, and if it doesn't pan out, we will explain what it is. And if it does yeah. pan out, then you'll hear it. So like, we won't just keep you in the dark forever. I think we'll still plug the project. I'm really interested in the project. So yes. yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, and so let's see Facebook. Oh, you can find us of course at patreon.com slash lifetime sentence. Aaron just told me a real creepy story that I'm going to lose sleep over tonight. So you're welcome. Thank just you. Just think about the little girl in the dress. I will. I, I, I was trying real hard to not. So I know. I can see that. Thanks, so thanks I just for bringing that back. Right, put that little earworm right back in there. Um, <laughs> and, um, you can shoot us an email at podcast at lifetimesentence.com. Also, you can find our episodes. You can find our website. You can find merch at lifetimesentence.com. 
Um, we do have merch and we're working on some more. So if you have merch that you're like dying to have, like shoot us an email, let us know. Yeah. Also, if you're a designer and you have something in mind, email us and we will work something out with you. Cause we don't want to, yeah. we don't want to take your stuff for free. Like, no, we no, no, work no, no, with not you, at all. Um, because Look, we're the, both creatives. And so we believe in paying people for their art. Yes. hundred percent. So. The hive mind is better than the individual. So if you've got something, please reach out to us. Yes. Um, so until next week, I'm going to write a strongly worded letter to the chief of police right now. Yes. It's not at all influenced by the wine I've drank. I haven't, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Aaron, while you're doing that, don't forget to eat your vegetables. Charge your phone in case you're being stalked and need to call the better Somebody. police. <laughs> the firemen. Call the firemen. Call the firemen. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. Oh, <laughs> firemen are going to call us. We're like, stop telling people to call us. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. You have 80 zillion listeners and they're all calling us now. <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye. Bye.